So if you're trying to sell this $50,000 consulting gig like we talked about, um, don't just talk about your $50,000 consulting firm. Break it down. What kind of problems are you going to be solving at the end of the day? And can you start to give away answers so people can test drive how you think, how you solve their problems? Because they've got a lot of um, preconceived notions about what you do. And you know, right away, if I tell somebody that I do SEO, you can bet you know your bottom dollar that people have a lot of preconceived notions about what that means right people like a really negative connotation about seo to because everybody knows somebody who spent a lot of money (laughs) and never got anywhere that's right which is terrible which is why you know i never lead with that because i don't want their eyes to to roll when i tell them that got it Um, To the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. All right, welcome back to the Habits to Goals podcast. Today's guest is a bit of an internet marketing phenom. His name is Jeremy Pound. He is the co-founder of Juicy Results, a South Florida-based, I believe he's in Boca Raton. In fact, at this point, I know he is. Uh, And it's an internet marketing agency. In the last decade, he's helped craft and implement Hundreds of online marketing strategies and solutions for countless companies, ranging in size from the smallest of businesses to Fortune 100 companies. Today, he works very closely with sales teams to generate ready-to-buy leads using an array of internet marketing strategies. There's a bit of a personal story with Jeremy, and that is, I came upon him because it turns out, and we touch on it in the episode, so I won't get too into it, but he came upon the habit factor and he read the book and, you know, yada, yada. Here we are. Uh, Truth be told, it was only a couple weeks that I was interviewed on his podcast and I thought, It would be terrific to uh, reciprocate and have him share some of his best strategies and tactics. So without further ado, let's bring on JP, Jeremy Pound. All right, Habits to Goals listeners, H2G listeners, uh, I am very pleased to announce and share with you that we are with an internet marketing prodigy, a man by the name of Jeremy Pound. He's got a fantastic company. I believe it's in South Florida. South Florida. Florida. And uh, Jeremy Pound, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Martin. I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. It's great to have you. And I, I just want to round out that thought. Your company is called Juicy Results, correct? That's right. And this is an internet marketing we are we're an internet marketing agency and we focus on companies with sales teams beautiful so companies who have sales teams and they're just looking to kind of round out or smooth out the process where they're taking their 
door-to-door, or even web presence, and you guys are helping them refine it. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. So if you call in, uh, we're very specific. We know exactly who we can help. So you get on the phone call with me, right away I tell you, look, you know, we know who our perfect customer is. We are great at helping companies that have a phone-based sales team that are between, you know, one in 20 million in revenue. But most importantly, they're trying to double revenue in the next one to three years because our solutions are very aggressive. And the people who are looking to aggressively grow, um, you know, have different needs than somebody who's a little bit more mature in their life cycle. So we've designed our whole company to help people that fit those three criteria. You know, that's that's awesome on multiple levels because it shows you are very targeted and um, focused on exactly who it is, which clientele mm-hmm. you can help. But I'm yeah. letting this get away from us, Jeremy, uh, and that's entirely my fault. The first thing I'd like to start off with is the GTR. I think you know what that is. The good things report, right? Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. And so what I'm thinking is I'm going to flip a coin. <laughs> Heads <laughs> or tails? Who gets to start? Yes. I'm looking for my coin. Um, I, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, I got one or two fingers up. So you, <laughs> you pick, uh, and then we'll figure out who goes first. All right. I'm going to pick two. Wow. You win. So you get to choose. All right. Love it. You know, this is, this is so fun. We, you know, we have our, our weekly department meetings, Martin, and we start, we kick off every meeting with, with good news. Really? That's what we say. Like who's got good news, you know, and it gets everybody, you know, to train. It's a great transition point from, you know, I'm checking email, I'm dealing with customer stuff to I'm engaged in the meeting and I love it. And it blows me away how people can come every single week. They can work for me for two years and on the on the you know the the eighty uh, fifth meeting <laughs> right. that I've done every week, they're like, oh shoot, I didn't prepare anything. I don't have any good news, <laughs> and I'm just like, we do this every time, you know, like come on. <laughs> For me, it's very easy. Like it's a habit, you know. Going back to the the right. subject of the podcast, right? Yep. When you be, make it a habit to always talk about good news. I think it, it creates a lens. It creates a, a muscle that you're always looking for good news. So I have too many things to share. I mean, that's what's great. I mean, there's so many good things going on, but I, I'm happy to be here on the show. You know, Martin, you and I have interacted for a long time. I was really happy to have you as my guest and to be here. So just being here is definitely good news. Um, and down goes JP. Skype slightly failed us here. We're going to pick it right back up. And keep moving on the GTR. So for me, it gets become it becomes easy because most of my my staff comes to one of these meetings, and I you know I have three different departments, so I'm doing like three a week. So I've always got to have good news, and it and it trains you to be very optimistic, and it trains you to look for good stuff. So I loved it. I remember when I heard your podcast, Martin, and you did it. I just think it's fantastic. So um, my 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 GTR for the podcast, you know, a lot of things I could talk about, but. I, I took this trip to, to New York in the fourth quarter of last year solely with the idea of meeting referral partners. So I just you know, kind of did it on a whim. I had a, a number of people in New York that I've been wanting to meet, and I jumped on a plane. I had a great time. It was fantastic. I had some great experiences, built some great relationships. And today, out of the blue, somebody that I met with in New York called me and wanted to refer 10 clients to me 
which what? was just amazing, right? I mean, how often? Exactly. They're, they're kind of reshaping a part of their business. This portfolio of clients doesn't work for them anymore. Incredible. And so they're literally looking to offload them to me. Now, we don't know what will happen. I don't know if we'll, we'll get all 10, we'll get one, but, but it's so nice to plant a seed and then, you know, nurture it and then see it kind of come to fruition several months later. So that's my GTR. That's fantastic. And uh, I think yeah, I'll pick it back. Good morning. I think I'll. Uh, so, so two quick comments about the GTR. The first is I thought that was only a problem in our company when when people show up and they're like, "Oh man," and they're just trying to. <laughs> they they you know it takes them a while to pull one out. The other is how long ago did you implement that, and where did that kind of originate? For you guys, yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years, and yeah. I I think I learned it from from Vern Harnish and, and like the Rockefeller habits. That's part of their script is to start the meeting with good news. That's right, that's right, that's right. Um, so look, first you were talking about planting a seed and nurturing it, and that just triggered something in my little brain to make me say, you know, part of my good news has to be talking to you here, and the fact is. The the seed I planted, I wrote a book, oh, I don't know, five, six years ago called The Habit Factor. And it I think it was you who said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you came upon that. And mm-hmm. long story short, here we are talking. Um, so that's at least one of the the good things for my report. The other is there's, and I've already mentioned her a couple of times, there's a gal in this private accountability group that we have for the habit factor for, for the tracking of the app and posting our charts. Um, I think it was just yesterday she posted a, she, I don't know, photocopied it out of the book, out of the pressure paradox, and she put the pressure prism up on her wall or in the office and took a picture of it and posted. And I thought that was pretty sweet. Also planting Ah. seeds. So, so there you have it. Well, you know, the way I like to do this, Jeremy is with fascinating people like yourself. I like to kind of go Mm -hmm. back to the beginning ish, at least around high school and, Look for those entrepreneurial seeds, if you will. Like what mm-hmm. what sort of things were you doing? Where'd you go to high school? And and you know, work us in a few minutes kind of towards where you are today. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, anytime you look back, I mean, you know, any anyone you know, no matter what kind of life you've had, right? It's like, you know, what do you focus on? And typically when you tell your story, you want to focus on those impact moments, right? Those, you know, that, those are really uh, special things that made an impact and kind of either you were at a crossroads or something happened that you never saw coming and it kind of shapes who you are, right? And that's the, the best we can do in a, in a quick podcast. <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned yep. high school. Um, I would say one of the first formal things when it comes to my, to my career, you know, what I do professionally had an impact on me is I had a high school band. Um, it was called Soylent Green, uh, based on the Charlton Heston movies of the seventies. And this was in the late nineties. Like, but, you know, think of the days of Nirvana and Pearl Jam, Martin and, you know, grunge. And, uh, you know, I had the, the total Kurt Cobain haircut and depending on what week you ran into me, my hair might've been purple or green or blue. Wow. Um, it was, it was fun. Yeah. You would never guess it. That's, no, you know, I never, would never guess. Looking you would never at guess. current. 
Whenever someone says, tell me something you know, that I would never guess about you, this is usually what I tell them. But, but we had <laughs> a hair. lot of fun. There was four of us, all four of us to a different high school in Southwest Florida, which is, you know, very sleepy town. And with that came this benefit that we had all these bands that we played with, Martin. And even though I feel like we were the least musically inclined, we had the biggest following because all four of us were at different high schools, which means we could tell everybody about it. And I, I just seemed to have this, this you know, um, skill for, for marketing very early on. So we had, you know, we had a logo, we had T-shirts, we had stickers. And I often joke that I should write a book called Everything I Learned About Marketing I Learned From My High School Band. Genius. Because we just really knew how to, like, develop a brand. And, and you know, we, we played the part. You know what I mean? Like we, we dressed the part, we acted like it and it was, it was really amazing. And so, so, so let me interrupt, like, interrupt yeah. you really quick. So this is a, was it a grunge band or what kind of music was this? Yeah, exactly. It was kind of a grunge alternative. That's a great way to describe it. So, and, um, and then you know, the, the name again, I didn't catch Soylent it. Green, which was a movie. I don't know if Soylent. you're familiar with it. Charlton Heston, okay. you know, it was based in the seventies and, Turns out there was like it's a, that. That's a whole story in itself. Just Google the name of the movie, and it, and it was perfect for a grunge. <laughs> I, was, band. I was just about to. Yeah, it is great, and um, so we had a lot of fun. So I I learned. I, I mean, that was my first. You know, um, that was my first <laughs> lesson, my first experiment. That you know, acting the part. You know, creating creating a, like a whole story, and you know, telling people that you, this is who you are. They start to listen to that, and if you if you show up every day consistently and you and you live the part, people really respond to that. And you know, planting seeds, creating momentum. Wow. I mean, for years, you know, people remembered us and knew who we were, and I would run into them, and you know, we were just having fun. But you know, it really taught me, like, you know, what you can do when you make an impact on people. They will that creates an asset that creates an impact that will last for a long time. So that was kind of my first entrepreneurial lesson. I'll say. It sounds like a, uh, a great foray into marketing and and you know the lesson for me right there is this kind of intentionality that you you set what it is you wanted to be known for and then you followed it up with consistency so there was some some vision and then there was some behavior or habits to back it up so so that's great we believed it we believed it, Martin. If you ran into me when I was 15, I mean, I was convinced that I was going to be a rock star. Okay. You know, I was, <laughs> That's great. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even worried about applying to college because I was convinced <laughs> that we were going to be picked up at any moment, you know, and I and, still uh, think you're a rock star. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Worked out in, in a different form than I thought. Great. So did you end up going to college or what was your uh, course, you know, yeah. career so, course from there? At the same time, this parallel track, this huge change in my life happened. Uh, my sophomore year in high school, they opened up a magnet art school. Mm. Uh, it was it was one high school, uh, and it was basically for you know the arts. And so it was audition, and I applied um, for both music and for visual arts. I was actually um, really interested in, in drawing and, and painting and, and visual arts in high school, and I got accepted. and And I went from being, you know, one of many in a sea of a, of a public high school um, to this very exclusive, you know, there were 16 people per course, um, you know, per grade that were brought into the school. And I went from, you know, being very dis, 
interested in school to all of a sudden, you know, wow, I have this amazing, I mean, it, it was really amazing. It was, it was, you know, brand new. It was publicly funded. We had a dark room for photography. We had oil painting. We had local artists um, coming and teaching classes and volunteering their time, including because I grew up in Southwest Florida near Sanibel Island, Robert Rauschenberg, which is, you know, a very famous living artist of the time was literally coming in and, and teaching us. So, it, it was this amazing experience, Martin, and it, and it just showed me what was possible. And I, and I really apply a lot of, um, you know, a lot of value to what I've been able to do and the, the drive I have and the confidence, the, the vision for just thinking anything is possible. A lot of it I attribute to this opportunity that I got. I had these amazing teachers. And so anyway, I went to art school and that's when I thought, you know, hey, um, you know, if this music thing doesn't work out, if this art thing doesn't work out, I kind of like this idea of marketing and advertising. You know, there are people that are crafting the messages that are shaping our life. You know, the stuff that I watch on TV, the stuff that I see on billboards, someone's behind it all, you know, and, it, and it's, it's not the man behind the curtain. And I think that's when I really started to get interested in this idea of being in marketing and advertising. So to, to fast forward it, well, I, let me I, check up real quick. Yeah. And this is fantastic. I, I want to get the name of that, that magnet school, the high school. It's called uh, the Cypress Lake Center for the Arts, CLCA. Uh, it's in CLCA. Fort Myers, Florida, okay. and it's amazing. And you went in as a sophomore, you said? Yeah, the first year they opened, I went there my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Okay. Um, the teachers were amazing. Um, and, uh, a lot, you know, I still have a great community with people that went there with me. Like I'm a friends with a ton of them on Facebook. I see what they're up to and, you know, not to tutor on a horn, but it, it's kind of amazing to see the impact that made on so many people and what the, 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 the um, above average impact I feel like they're having, like the, the output they're creating, the, the things they're doing, it, cre- it really creates some amazing people. And you're talking about, I'm assuming the the prior school was a big public school, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then you said there were how many students at the uh, the art school? Correct. Yeah, there there was. I think you know, like fifteen give or take students per per uh, specialty, wow. and there was about five specialties. You know, music, dance, theater, That's visual cool. arts, um, computer. Yeah. And by the way, you know, the, the sidebar from that is that we all got exposure to all the other programs. There was a media arts program and there was this little thing that they were working on called Photoshop three. Hmm. And, you know, fast forward, we all know what impact Photoshop, uh, Photoshop has on you know, business today and sure. communication. So it really set me up with a, with a skill that ended up, you know, being very valuable later in my career that, uh, I, you know, I just completely stumbled upon. No, and I think that is absolutely fantastic. And what I was getting at was when you have such a small, you know, close knit classroom with a teacher who is able, you know, I think it's, it's unfortunate, you know, teachers in these public schools without funding, they get a Mm -hmm. bad rap and, um, it just shows what is possible with the education system when you hear a story yeah. like this, because frankly, and unfortunately, I, I don't hear this often or almost ever. And it's, I can just hear how 
how uh, charged, you know, fired up you are and, and mm-hmm. how you want to kind of give back. And so I, I think it's just an amazing story. And here you are saying that that directly influenced uh, the things you're doing today. So so take me from there to uh, college and then yeah. keep moving. So uh, what came out of that was this idea that, okay, you put a portfolio together, you apply to art school, right? got accepted to all kinds of art schools, including a, um, a really exciting school that was very expensive. And I had about a 50% scholarship based on the, you know, the work that I had done. And it, it was really funny because at the same time, one of the, one of the girls who was in the class with me was doing this internship at a newspaper. Um, and this was that next moment that like made a major impact. So she's working at the biggest newspaper we had in this this small town, Fort Myers, Florida. And she's just developing film and helping them out. And she says, you know, Jeremy, I'm going off to San Francisco to go to the, you know, uh, San Francisco School of the Arts. And they asked me to make a recommendation for replacement. And she's like, and I recommended you. And I was like, well, that's great. But Lisa, um, Lisa Chen, I'll give her a shout out. Um, Haven't talked to her in, you know, 15 years, but... uh, it was great. And, and I said, well, Lisa, that's really nice of you, but I'm going away to school. And I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. I, I, was, I was really young. And my parents, I think, recognized that. And so they made me this deal. My, and I'm a second-generation entrepreneur. My, and my, both of my parents are entrepreneurs at different points in their life. And they've been great. And they said to me, all right, Jeremy, we'll make you a deal. You can go, to, go away to college now and we'll pay for half of everything and you have to work and you have to pay for half or you can stay home and go to two years of community college and, and then go to the school that you want to go to and we'll pay for everything. That's a great so, deal. Obviously, that's that's yeah. worth the, uh, sorry to interrupt, but that is worth yeah. the price of the podcast right there. That's a great tip. That's awesome. It was in knowing where I looking back in hindsight, Martin, I, I would have either gotten arrested, killed myself or starved myself if I would have moved out. Like at that point, I I think that's true for, you know, 80% of 17 year olds or 18 year olds. So that's definitely important maturing, you know, those two years are are fantastic. So go ahead. I love telling that story, but you're right. That is something to really reflect on, you know, for other people out there that have kids that they're worried about that same, that same point. Yep. So what that did is it actually set off a catalyst or a domino effect of other events. Hmm. So I went to this newspaper, graduated in 97 and, and you know what was happening in the late nineties, right? This dot com boom, like hmm. the whole world, you know, if you started a pizza company, a local pizza shop, and if you added dot com, you instantly had a valuation of $2 million, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, didn't something matter. like that, right. The world wasn't was just insane, but but really, what was happening was you know the world was changing. Communication, everything that you and I are doing now, you know, Skype and the internet and right. social media, all came out of this idea of the internet, and that was everywhere. And you know, I was an artist. You know, I'm doing air quotes, Martin. Like I didn't know much about technology except for this little Photoshop, you know, class that I took, and I just I was you know kind of like in this newspaper world. And I went there to, to work that recommendation I got while I was going to community college. 
and I was developing film and I, I was looking at them and they were using fo- like they were using Photoshop to scan in the photos and they were doing everything inefficient. And I started to like help them. And I was like, well, why don't you do this? And they were bringing in these consultants to help them. Uh. And I was watching the consultants and I'm just like, this is what we did in the, in the school. And they <laughs> loved it, you know, and it was really funny. And I just kept getting my fingers in more and more things. And, and so one of the new graphic designers that this newspaper hired yep. had just graduated from the school that I wanted to go to. This very high priced school. Um, and they just graduated. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like they, they are where I want to be. This is, this is my idol, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like 17 years old. And so I convince the, you know, my employer, this newspaper to let me do the job they were paying me to do and then to stay around for two more hours and to like help this new person out because I wanted to pick their brain. Right. And so like fast forward, like six weeks, I was doing everything he was doing. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to underestimate no, I it, get it. Yeah. he was doing, but, but like basically the, the, the biggest light bulb in my life went off Martin. And that was like, wait a minute you don't need to go to four years of school to do this. Correct. <laughs> You're doing it now. You know what I mean? And so it was this amazing idea that like, that was this lesson that taught me that if you want to do something, yeah, there's a process, but sometimes for many things, you can just cut the chase. You know what I mean? There's an easier way to do it. Yep. And that's not true with everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I get it. I, I haven't found a way to um, get a black belt in six days. Um, right. You're not going to, you're not going to be um, performing surgery on anyone and and there is a process but the flip side is when you talk about in particular graphic design because that's the world i kind of came out of and in fact the crazy story for me is that the it company evolved out of uh the graphic design work i was doing because it just turned out more and more people needed me to fix computers and then I hired people and anyways so so what I was going to get at is yes there's a process however in when it comes to technology and the rapid pace of development of software and things like that yeah you could have a four-year degree or an eight-year degree and then sit down and you know a new piece of software comes out tomorrow you're not going to have much of a leg up on um a person who has no degree. So I think yeah, that's an interesting story. I like that. Yeah, story. And there's many things like that. Uh, and so I think that there's a lesson, Martin, based on your story, which I know a little bit about and what I'm telling right now. And that's that putting yourself in the game just opens the door for opportunity, right? I, none of this opportunity that I'm about to talk about and that just happened would have ever happened if I wasn't in this newsroom every day around these people. Yep. And so, you know, I just did that and then that, that happened. And then, so I, I don't know, you know, this is just who I am. Like, I'm like maybe 18 at this point, probably still 17. And I've, I've got like six months of professional skill set under my career. And what do I do? <laughs> I'm like, hey, well, not, not <laughs> quite yet. But what I'm thinking is, um, hey, what else can I do? What other jobs are out there? Right. And so I go over to the newsroom computer and I type, go to monster.com when that was like brand new and like the darling. And I typed in graphic design jobs. And, you know, roughly 90% of what came up, maybe maybe 100% because it was monster.com, of the graphic design jobs were web design jobs. And it hit me right there that I had to figure this, this web design thing out. Great. So I enrolled 
in Barnes and Noble University, which meant I spent, you know, pretty much every night, seven nights a week going to Barnes and Noble before, like, you know, when, but now so much of this is available on the internet, but back then, you know, there was all these books and I would, would go to Barnes and Noble and I would teach myself how to build websites. And by the way, building a website in 97 was, you know, I feel like a monkey could do it. When, when these kids graduate today and they come work for me, it, it takes like seven languages to do what we do. I mean, you got, wow. you know, the website side, the programming side, the database side. But back then it was very simple. Hmm. And so I taught myself how to do this. And I was telling everyone in the newsroom that if they knew anybody that needed a website to let me know. And somebody approached me. And they said, hey, you know, hey, Jeremy, we're, we're launching a website for the newspaper. And, you know, you're kind of the only one in the whole newsroom that knows how to do this. You want to run the website department? Wow. <laughs> and so on, the, on my 19th birthday, the day I turned 19, um, I went from showing up every day in the afternoon for a part-time job in, teats and, uh, for, in, in shorts and a T-shirt to a suit and a tie going upstairs and running the website division. You know what I mean? Like kind of working under the advertising department. Um, It was really funny. Everybody thought it was hilarious. Everybody laughed. And look, I think it's a great, yeah, it's a great testament to your hustle. Um, Yeah, exactly. And And, and that's really what set me on my project, my trajectory. And from there, you know, doing that a year, it was great. Um, It was a Gannett newspaper, which, you know, USA Today and 90 other newspapers gave me a lot of exposure um, flew all over the country, you know, came to Boca as a startup. Um, that lasted seven months, took a ton of stock options, thought that, you know, thought I was going to be a millionaire. Um, and when that didn't work out, I just started my own company. And, you know, I, I'm kind of fast forwarding the story because the next things to me were, were actually less of an impact, less impressive than that first part of the story, sure. which was just putting yourself in the right place, right? Looking for opportunity, deciding what you wanted to do, always being open, and it, it was amazing, like what was happening to me in these very formative years of my life. I love it. I think it's, yeah. and and that kind of brings us to where we are. So we kicked off the show, kind of uh, jumping ahead a little. Now I want to circle back and just with the juicy results, you you touch on it again out of the open, but you're you're focusing on serving. I think you said like one to what was it five million or twenty million? About one to twenty million. Okay, you know, yeah. And and these are you know these are companies that are aggressive in their sales tactics, and they actually mm-hmm. have an outbound sales team. Is that it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So if you you know if you're Amazon.com for right. example, you have different needs than than my clients have. Which you know if you're an enterprise software company, if you're a home builder. Um, if you're, you know, a a professional services firm, you have a complex sale. You, you need people involved. People are not just going to show up yet and, you know, add an item to their shopping cart and check out. I mean, you're, you're solving people's problems. Right. And what I've learned is that there are strategies. The internet is an amazing place when you have expertise, when you have information that will help people. When you've got real differentiated ways of thinking, um, the internet is the best place in the world to, you know, the best tool in the world to spread that, you know, far um, beyond the borders of your town. And so that's what we help companies do. That's great. And that's a perfect segue. So, and that's assuming two things, and or at least one, which is that they can find you. And that's, I'm assuming, what you help with. Now, hmm? 
in terms of lead generation. Now, when you talk about one to 20 million, I know that's just representative of, of the population in general. So I was going to sure. say the population of our show, the demographic of our show, um, probably matches what, what that would look like, you know, across the entire population, meaning that's a smaller, that's 5% of the people listening. My mm-hmm. hope, because you're an expert here, is chances are very good, though. You know, 85% of those listening have a website, maybe not quite at a million in revenue, and are looking for a few tips related to lead generation. So sure. kind of with that softball, <laughs> maybe you can yeah. give us one, two, or three hot tips for lead gen. All right, H2G listener, I want to remind you, today's episode is brought to you by audible.com. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. If there's one thing I know, and I think Jim Rohn was the one who said this originally, in five years, the difference in your life will be largely based upon two things, the books you've read and the relationships you have fostered. Doesn't it make sense to take advantage of the downtime, whether you're on the road, on a run, in the gym, kill a couple birds with one stone, get a book going? It's phenomenal. It's I, The more people I turn on to it, the more uh, compliments I get. Not that I've actually done anything. 180,000 titles to choose from. You get one free book a month, 30% off any other book. Again, check it out. AudibleTrial.com forward slash habits to goals. I'm going to say that again real quick. AudibleTrial.com forward slash habits to goals. And that is the number two. Okay, great. Um, so one of the first things I'll say, and again, you're going to give really general stuff. Sure, right? that's fine. Um, great place to start. Yeah. I think that one of the things I want to say to, to the listeners, Martin, is that people tend to, to be thinking of what they're trying to accomplish um, exclusively, right? right? I'm a big believer of starting with the end in mind. So if your end in mind is for somebody to hire you for a $50,000 consulting gig, um, you got You got to know that that's your goal, but that doesn't mean that your your web strategy should exist solely to take a complete stranger and to turn them into a fifty thousand dollar consulting gig. Right? right. There's a lot of steps in between there. So let let me give you a real world example. Okay. Sure. So with me, I mean, just say me. I, you know, here it is. I'm going to, you know, got all my competitors listening. Here's part of my web strategy. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, here it is. So if you, you know, you aren't going to, I mean, some people, don't get me wrong, you need to have a strategy for the people that will literally go to Google and type in a SEO company and they're replacing somebody they're working with and they need a new person tomorrow. That exists. But I think the mistake is solely... Um, organizing your marketing around only those people, right? Um, so we also need to generate leads and generate business from people who are much earlier in the buying process. And, and we all know that, right? We all know 
that there are times we're in the market to buy a car because our lease is up or our, you know, we're literally like, you know, spending thousands of dollars at the repair shop and it's just time to move on. But then there's that time where you're not really thinking about it, but the right opportunity, the right message could could catapult you into the market for cars. So thinking that through, not everybody is in the market for internet marketing. They, they're trying to grow their business. They're constantly looking for information. And so I would, I would ask you, how do you use Google? You know, what are the things that you search for for Google? You know, and on the face of it, it may seem like there's an infinite number of answers. But I would actually say to you that there, there's actually very few categories of what people search for. Problem solving. We search. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's set aside when you know exactly what you're looking for and you're like price shopping and you like you type in like the, the serial number, which we all do. And you're like, where can I get this for nine cents cheaper? So, you know, that that's when you really know what you're looking for. But if you zoom out from that, you typically are asking Google to solve a problem. Like you said, you're you know saying, OK, how do I do this? How do I make my life better? How do I get out of this point of pain? And so most queries are actually looking for information or looking for solutions to your problem. So how can you create the best answers to your customers' problems? I say that, you know, my my book about SEO, The Bootstrapper's Guide to SEO, I say right in the beginning. Say the title again. It's called The Bootstrapper's Guide to SEO. We literally took our entire firm's training manual, our SEO operations manual, and I turned it into a book for people who can't quite afford us yet or are not ready, Great. and they want, to, they want to do it on their own. So if you have more time than money and you're looking to do this or if you want to know how to think about search engine optimization, I feel like it, it, you know, it's, it's a great book. Obviously, I'm biased and <laughs> partial to it. That's awesome. Um, but uh, that's where I we will it. We will absolutely link to that. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's on Amazon, um, you know, Bootstrapper's Guide to SEO. Great. So I literally like the first chapter is, you know, this book in a nutshell. That's where I just like, you know, this is it. This is the whole book in a nutshell. If you want to know how to do SEO, if you want to know how to like win in the world of search engines, it's have the best answers to your customer's problem. So if you're trying to sell this $50,000 consulting gig like we talked about, um, don't just talk about your $50,000 consulting firm. Break it down. What kind of problems are you going to be solving at the end of the day? And can you start to give away answers so people can test drive how you think, how you solve their problems? Because they've got a lot of um, preconceived notions about what you do. And you know, right away, if I tell somebody that I do SEO, you can bet you know your bottom dollar that people have a lot of preconceived notions about what that means right people like a really negative connotation about seo to because everybody knows somebody who spent a lot of money (laughs) and never got anywhere which is terrible which is why you know i never lead with that because i don't want their eyes to to roll when i tell them that got it Um, so you know what are the problems that something like seo or internet marketing can solve well it can help you generate more leads it can you get more visibility (laughs) And so people are out there searching for these things. So, so I have an ebook that we spend a lot of time on. It's some of our best thinking in the whole company, and it's called Seven Habits, uh, Seven Habits of Scalable Sales Teams. Mm-hmm. And it's these seven things that are that are relatively simple, but I would I would bet you that ninety five percent of the people listening are not doing. 
you know, not making sure that they have a dated next step for everybody in their CRM, right? Their, their customer relationship management tool, making sure they have a dated next step, pre-scripting valuable follow-ups for people in the sales process, you know, easy to say, hard to do. Right. So what what sort of tools do you use for some of the pre-scripting or the follow-ups? Anything you want to recommend or no, I mean, you know, that, that could send, a, send us off on a whole topic, to okay. be honest with you. But I mean, yeah. It, Is that it's just something, that's something like AWeber or Infusionsoft or? Well, those are the tools for delivering it. That's yep. easy. Yes. We love AWeber. Um, we, we love all the marketing automation platforms like like HubSpot and Acton. Um, Infusionsoft is fantastic. But what I found, Martin, is that the tool is the easy part. You can write a check. It's the content. It's the answers to your customers' questions, the FAQs, the videos. That's what's unique. That's what's valuable. So spend your time coming up with those things. So I tell all my clients, I never want you to send another follow-up email that starts with the word just. Because this is what salespeople do. Hey, just following up on that proposal I sent you, you know? <laughs> right. Hey, just checking in when you want to do business with me, right? It's so self-serving. Now imagine, you know, imagine Martin that you and I are talking about doing business together. Yep. We have a relationship, whether you, you, you know, whether it's an anonymous relationship, like you signed up for something on my website, you listen to my podcast, or it's a, a, a personable relationship. Like I, I've given you a proposal and I'm waiting for you to say yes to it. You are going to see, receive follow-up from me that is videos, that is helpful. That is my ebook. Like I talked about, it is basically, you know, Hey, this will make a material difference in your business. And by the way, when you want more help, I'm here for you. You have my proposal, right? So these are just examples of it. Um, but if you zoom out, you got to realize that, you know, you don't, you don't need a date and then propose the next day. So you don't need a prospect and sell them your $50,000, you know, customer, you know, uh, consulting agreement. So add value, add so much value from day one that they are constantly in an emotional cognitive debt to you. You know, if that makes sense, that is kind of the basis of what we do. It's provide value. It's over deliver. It's educate. It's reshape the way they think about the buying process until they absolutely only want to do business with you. And I know that's you know not tactical; it's more strategic. But that's the best way I can cover it. In a, no, in and a, I think strategy but, is what I was looking for. And and yeah. between the you know thirty thousand foot view, and by the way, this is again worth the price of admission. Getting the perspective that one has a website, and they should mm-hmm. be focused on what that. Google query is and design a page to answer those questions and let them, as you say, test drive the information, give some value. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. And it's worth reiterating. That's, I mean, that's super powerful. The, the FAQs, the video, solving the problem, trying to predict. I know with the IT company, it's as simple as, you know, uh, predicting what the query is and designing yeah. a landing page for that. So my question to you, probably um, a bit selfish, because you're saying, <laughs> you're saying, look, it's 
it's the you know the tools are easy get the content for for me mm-hmm. um with a couple books and certainly a blog and a podcast i got a ton of content and what i would you know uh dare i say it actually original thoughts too where a lot of it's yeah. just kind of regurgitated so having said that though i do a poor job distributing that content and so maybe there are some people out there like me if there are tools or strategies you can recommend you know other than i'm i'm familiar with something like buffer and you know you you put something in and it distributes and maybe sure. that's all there is but but i'm wondering yeah. if you have any great strategies on either repurposing content or distributing it mm, good that's a great question um I think this comes down to the efficient versus effective conversation, which I have all the time with my team. And I it constantly challenge them to ask themselves, you know, are you being efficient at the expense of effective or vice versa? So, you know, going back to that whole idea of beginning with the end in mind, got to be really clear, Martin, what, what you want people to do, what kind of impact you want to help them with, because I get really nervous when people try to promote to me a tool where you can click one button and have your content show up on every social media channel. Why does that make me nervous? Because the way I talk and act on Twitter is different than the way I talk and act on Instagram, right? You know, Twitter is bite-sized content. Uh, Instagram, you know, is, is a provocative image with the right hashtags. So <laughs> okay. tools are great, right? Tools are great, but don't let the tools make you, you know, efficient at this, at the expense of being effective. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I know where you're going. My, my thinking here is, and I know there are some successful podcasts that do this. They mm-hmm. put their podcast also on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a strategy that I'm talking about. And I'm just, you know, yes. I'm just wondering where, you know, for instance, good blog content might go if there is okay. such a place that, yeah, yeah. that it gets repeated or something. Right. Well, that's a good question. I don't. I don't have one tool that will do all that. Um, there are several. the The principle you're talking about, I'm a big fan of, and that's that's syndication. You know what I mean? If you you create the piece of content, get it everywhere. Um, just because I listen to my podcast on iTunes doesn't mean I only put my podcast on iTunes, right? People listen to it other places. So that is the world we live in. Um, you know, I think that just a good checklist and, you know, a good workflow is, <laughs> okay, is your best answer. No, I get it. That's fine. I mean, if that's, yeah. that's the answer, I, I totally get it, but I figured I'd ask because mm-hmm. for some people, the challenge is content and for others, yeah. it's, it's just efficiently execution and, and smartly yeah. you know distributing it or syndicating it yeah so that's fantastic all right well i i love kind of the nuts and bolts and the fact that you were able to share some real great takeaways as it relates to lead gen is there any um couple two or three design tips or kind of must haves that you can share with us fairly quickly. Okay. 
Good question. Like a, um, like in a about page. I mean, you know, hopefully something a little bit more original than that. But but yeah. you, to you, that may be an absolute that you want to say. So, yeah. Well, let me take it a slightly different way because I, I, it's a different kind of answer, but it's on the same category we're talking about. I think the worst thing you can do, Martin, when you're designing a website, is go find your three biggest competitors and do exactly what they're doing. And that's what so many new businesses are doing, right? Even existing businesses that are redesigning their websites, they're basically saying, let's inventory what everyone else is doing. And by the way, the thing that, that like makes my blood boil is that there are a lot of website firms that you can hire that will tell you to do this, right? This is what they will do. They'll say, what exists? What can we learn from other people that have done? And let's just do that. So here's my response to that, Martin, is that if you're starting your website today and you're looking for the three biggest players in your industry, they probably blow you out of the water. So why do you want to compete with the same positioning and the same strategy that somebody who's further along than you is doing? So again, beginning with the end of the mind, beginning with the end of mind, who's your, who's your customer? What are you trying to get them to do and work backwards from that, right? Design your messaging to be unique. If you survey your three biggest competitors, do it. And if they all three say that um, in 2016, that if you're an IT company, it's all about being in the cloud, right? Because that's what everyone's saying. How can you say the opposite? How can you, you know, poke a hole in that and turn that on its head and say, you may not need to be in the cloud. The cloud may be your biggest weakness. It may be your security threat. You need to think differently. I'm just, you know, again, spitballing. Yeah, no, I get um, it. it. It's this idea that, and and again, it's a strategic answer, and I love it. It's it's just be a little different. No, be, yeah. understand the end in mind. Um, I thought you were going to hit me with something tactical, like you should have a welcome video or a story <laughs> or, or an FAQ. It's just not the way I think, Martin. No, and that's fine. <laughs> So let's move on to the next thing because I think this is a good segue. What do you do? Any tips on the creative process? Ooh, that's good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's good. Any tips on it? Okay. So I can only share a self-realization that I learned about Great. the creative process. And that's me. So um, this is something that I love to share because I believe that when when you – find this about yourself, um, it's going to give you a major boost in productivity. So everybody talks about the most precious resource is time, right? You can make more money, can't make more time. Um, I heard somebody say this and I'm stealing this, but, but if time were really the limited resource, we would all be up 24 hours a day working on our goals, but we're not because there's actually a more precious and a uh, scarce resource, it's and that's energy. energy. <laughs> got it. Which you is got great. It. No, it was my podcast yeah. uh, a few episodes back. We had a, an right. energy expert on. that so one, I, and I listened I love to a it. lot of so, But keep going. Yeah. This is great. Building on it. So, so this is what I learned. So you got to learn how to manage your energy. And for me, you know, and this fits into the habit, and this fits into the, to the um, rhythm, the whole idea, is that somewhere along the lines, you know, I'm 36 and my ripe old age of 36. And I probably learned it about two years ago. Um, I learned that 
I'm really creative and really good at solving problems and being doing like my most tedious, deepest work in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's probably because I abuse coffee. Um, and, you know, I put on a pot of coffee and I'll have like 10 cups. But you can get me up at like four in the morning, six in the morning, eight in the morning, whatever, whatever time, the bigger the problem, the earlier I'll get up. And, and I'm extremely creative in the morning. Yep. In the afternoon, I'm kind of terrible at being creative, but I'm really social, right? So what I've done is I put all my creative work in the morning and then I do all my phone calls, all my podcasts, all my like speaking engagements in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. then, Beautiful. you know, we all kind of have our thing that we're good at like that. Like we all kind of have our crutch, you know what I mean? Like that thing that we're naturally strong at. Have you ever done strength finders yeah. or anything like that? For me, uh, I'm a learner. Like if, if I'm stressed, Martin, I will learn instead of doing like, I'll just read like, that's what I do. So I can be burnt out. I can have a couple glasses of wine and I can still immerse myself and be productive and learn something new. So I have these, I call it three phases of the day. I design my day around being creative in the morning, around being social and collaborative in the afternoon. And, and if I really need to learn something, if I really need to go into overdrive, then I do that stuff in the evening or the night. So that's it. So, I mean, everyone's going to be different, right? You're probably different, but if you can learn your natural cycle, then I I feel like you're, you're sailing with the wind instead of against it. So that's kind of my counterintuitive creative tip. I love it. And, uh, no, a lot of that I would echo. Um, you are a young buck at 36, so that's great. (laughs) Uh, what trends are you? It's the oldest I've ever been, Martin. What's that? It's the oldest I've ever been. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's let's hope that's not always the case. <laughs> exactly. Um I kind I I feel like we're going a little long, but I want to drill down or say one more thing about creativity since you you've read you know the habit factor. I believe that habit can be a terrific conduit to creative insight. And so um, we know that habits kind of reside in the subconscious mind and more often than not, when we're doing those repetitive mindless, quote unquote, mindless tasks like shaving or showering, um, driving, which is a little scary to think about, then we get some creative insight. So, mm-hmm. um, but I love the the parallel you're drawing to, to energy. I want to move on to any significant trends you're seeing as it relates to design marketing, you know, um, internet marketing. Ooh, that's a good one. It's okay. If there's not, I mean, obviously WordPress, something like that, but that's a long standing trend at this point. Yeah. Well, we love WordPress. Um, the idea that people, you know, here's a trend. Um, here's something. This this quote, I mean, this statistic is about two years old, Martin. Yep. But about two years ago, half of the queries entered into entered into Google every day had never been searched for before. So fifty percent of the queries that people are searching for every day, Google is seeing for the first time ever. So think about that. That's kind, kind of, of hard to process. Right? And and I would think part of that, I think, is because uh, 
A, there's probably more people using it, but B, they're they're more comfortable asking literally their their language as it flows out of their mouth. In other words, they're not trying to craft a smart query. They're yeah. just saying anything because they know We're trusting that, Google more. Yes, we're, exactly. And, and, we're, and we're becoming – actually, we're becoming more sophisticated when it comes to searching. And so – this is something I've been talking. This is not new, but I still don't believe it's commonplace. Right. Um, many companies want to own what I call a silver bullet keyword. Right. They want to own, um, you know, uh, w- what town do you live in, Martin? I forget. San Diego. San Diego. Thank you. So they want they want to own, um, you know, San Diego Mexican. Right. San right. Diego Mexican restaurant. Right. Um, and yeah, people search for that. It, it's great, you know, but. People also search for, you know, best happy hour, right? They search for, um, you know, where to have a bar mitzvah. They search for um, where to, um, you know, have a party for a small group of guests, where to have a wedding that will be unique. I mean, these are all things that people are searching for. I'm just totally spitballing. So I I feel like that's a significant trend. Because people underestimate how sophisticated and how specific our searches are. That is and a, so that's, that's something fantastic. to really, yeah. Sorry to, to really you, That consider. is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Uh, great. Great. Yeah. So we've been talking about that for a long time and I feel like I'm on a crusade. I feel like every meeting I have about search engine optimization, I have to, I have to sell that case, you know? Oh. And they're like, yeah, but we still want to, we still want to rank for Mexican restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, all right. We need to – we're coming over the, the hump and rounding probably third here. So we're going to hit you with a few few of the closing questions. Okay. My first is since you're you're an A player, you're a go-getter, uh, how, Jeremy, would you define success? Ooh. Yeah. I love the questions, Martin, by the way. These are really good. Um, so, so I've been asked this one before, you know, in full disclosure, um, you know, I feel like every, it's funny cause I, I will say this, like, I feel like I've got a really good answer. I like now, but this is one of those things where if you ask me in six months, I can't wait to tell you what the new answer is going to be. Right. Um, but you know, for me personally, and I realize that I really own this, like, this is not something I think everybody should say, but for me, um, the the state of like simultaneously giving, receiving, and enjoying is success. And, and what does that mean? Like, so if you're contributing in a way that, so you're contributing, right? That's giving, but you're doing it in a way that makes you feel fulfilled, right? Which is also receiving and you're reaping the rewards that typically come from adding value to society, you're enjoying the process, right? You're, you're fulfilled, you're giving value, you're getting something out of it. To me, when I see people doing that, that's success. And that's what I'm always trying to be doing. Wow. I love it. Thanks. You have certainly thought on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm fortunate to see various, what I think are very successful people in my life. I mean, you, you know about entrepreneurs organization, when you surround yourself with people that you admire, you know, it raises your game. Right. And and how did you find out about EO again? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I found out about EO by reading The Habit Factor. I was sitting on my couch in the same living room that I'm doing this podcast from right now. Wow. Reading The Habit Factor on my iPad and, you know, just seeing you hearing you talk about this and like literally dropping the ebook, moving into a browser, Googling entrepreneurs organization Genius. and being like, wow, like my company is not at a million yet, but A, I want to, I want all these people as my customer, which, you know, completely like, right. you know, abuses the non-solicit <laughs> idea of EO, but I didn't know that at the time. And B, you know, I was like, I'm going to join this group one day. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, I was out at a cocktail event and somebody invited me in it was really fantastic genius and how did you come upon i should uh, the habit factor again i was i think i was on what i call a, a ted talk marathon uh, which and i think anyone that watches ted talks knows what that's like right <laughs> right you were they won't let you finish watching. one yeah binge watching exactly it's like they won't let you finish one without starting the next one the next thing you know you're like where Tuesday's over. What happened? Um, I think it was like an evening. Like, I think I was home alone on, it was called a Wednesday night. You know what I mean? And, and then next thing I know, I downloaded the book and I was hooked. And I, you know, by the way, total plug for you, Martin, it's the kind of book you can sit there and read in a day, two days and get a lot out of. And I think I did that. I think I completely consumed it and I was really excited about it. Uh, thank you. I'll take, I'll take the plug anytime. No, I appreciate it. And just as a side note, Jeremy uh, was very helpful with the pressure paradox. He saw some some early releases of that. Um, I'm going to go yeah. back real quick and say EO has still not sent me – the Entrepreneurs Organization has still not sent me a uh, commission check for that one. You know, I, I have my people working on it. I don't, okay. I don't know why they they're not, have not come through yet. <laughs> so that's a nice segue because we're talking about – we talked about success. I, give me uh, two or three of your best habits that, mm. that okay. help you uh, be the man you are today, JP. All right. All right. I like this. So I want to <laughs> say this. This is like – one of the few things I wrote down in my notes to like talk about on the podcast with you. Um, I, I think most people, when I talk, I mean, you know, you and I, you and I have both talked about the connotation people have with habits, what they, what they think. Right. But even when they're talking about positive habits, I think most people still limit their habits. They're, they're thinking about habits, the things that they do every day. Right. So if I, if you and I, polled people and said anything about a habit, they're like, well, it's something you always do, you know? And so, yes, it is. But a habit can be something you do every day when you wake up, every day before you go to bed. It can be something you do every week. It can be something you do every month, every quarter, whatever it is. That's I mean, right. you know, paying our taxes on before April 15th is a habit. But what people overlook is some habits can be triggered by events. And that's very important. So I have habits that I do every day. Like I wake up, you know, uh, I'll come back to those because those are the easy ones. Um, but I have a habit where every time I start a new relationship, I know that that's a trigger to invoke a habit. Every time I end a relationship at work, I mean, you know, not, not like I end a relationship like a customer <laughs> in my life. Right, right, right. When I wind down a customer relationship, I have habits that, that immediately trigger in, right? Sure. I, I, I reflect I make sure one of my one of our company values, which I know you know a lot about, 
you know, and one of my, my personal life values is leave everything better than you found it, right? If you go to a meeting, if you get involved with an organization, if you, if you meet somebody, leave them better than you found it. So whenever I'm winding down a relationship, I have this whole little checklist that goes through my head. Like I self-reflect, where were they, were they when we started? Did I leave them with better value? So I just want to say that I, I think that, you know, the, the unsung hero of habits are the trigger related habits, right? So, um, every time I sit down to be creative, um, I put a pot of coffee on, right? For whatever reason, I have learned from, from time, Martin, that the smell of coffee like puts me in the right state and I get crazy stuff done. It just happens, That's you know? Great. So I want to say that, like, I, I feel like too many people don't think about trigger habits. Um, daily habits, you know, uh, sorry, do you want to say something? Like that? No, no, no. I say, I, I love it. I think, you yeah. know, habit is, is, and, and that kind of begins to border the term routine, right? Which is a collection of habits. So, so you're intentionally putting a pot of coffee on, which is a habit that's correlated and, and we're calling it a trigger in this case to being creative. Um, mm-hmm. but, but these all tie together and that's absolutely, I think it's fantastic. The trigger I used to run was putting the shoes right in front of the doorway. Yep. So, yes. I, so I love that. I love it. That, I work out every morning. Um, I shouldn't say every morning. So I work out my goal, my target to use the PAR methodology. Nice. Uh, my goal is to work out, to lift weights, not work out because I do other things. My goal is to lift weights four days a week. So my, my perfect systems, as I call them, um, have slack and like built into the system. So my habit is to work out to lift weights Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Friday of every week. And I, and I use this as an example because I'm really I'm really happy with the system that I built of habits. Right. Why do I like this system so much? I need to work out. I, I need to lift weight four days a week. Lift weights four days a week. So I've built in this idea of slack on Wednesday and Saturday. So if if you call me, Martin, and you say I want to have breakfast with you at six a.m. or six thirty a.m. on Tuesday morning, and I've been dying to get a meeting with you. I'm going to miss my workout. Well, Wednesday is just sitting there waiting for me to move my workout to Wednesday. And then by Thursday, I'm right back on track. Now, if all hell breaks loose and I fall behind, I can make it up on Saturday and Sunday. So by the time the next week comes around, I have a way to get right back on track. And let's yeah. just say, you know, I fall off the bandwagon entirely and I, and I like, I hurt my ankle and I miss a whole week, well, you know what? Monday is a whole new week, and I'm right back on it, and I'm starting from scratch. So so for me, I love the systems that have this way to kind of recuperate or you know, recover from failing, which is just what happens. I mean, life gets in the way, right? Right, and that is exactly what the PAR methodology promotes. Plan, mm-hmm. act, record, and reassess. I just have one question. What is the minimum success criteria for the workout? In other words, is it 40 minutes? Is it an hour and a half? Yeah, it's really funny. I, I don't really record. I've been doing this for so many years. I know my routine. I have a, you know, I have a, a back day, a, you know, a, a leg day, a shoulders day. Like I have my whole thing. I, I just go, just show up, just show up and do it. And, but and I'm happy. And I check it great. out. I'm just, if you were, and 
and you're not because you're well into the habit. But if you were trying yeah. to develop it, what I'm just doing a sidebar for maybe the new listener. Sure. If, if Jeremy does this routinely and it's become a habit, but, but if you're trying to develop it, the idea is to identify, you know, and if it's really four times a week, if I'm not in there for at least 25 minutes, the minimum success criteria, yep. if I'm in there for 15, that's a zero. It's a no go. Yeah. It doesn't count. So that's all I was getting at. So, yeah, no, you're right. That is, you're right. It's a very mature habit for me. So I've forgotten about that, but you're, you're right. You know, starting it out, you need those, you need those borders to keep you disciplined. Well, and that's, yeah, by planning, acting, recording, and reassessing, it allows you to increase the habit strength. You're well into it. You actually have it established. Um, Is there any particular, some people don't answer this, so you don't have to. Is there a one habit you're trying to, improve upon replace with another habit yeah oh yeah um and you know it's ironic that you asked me this martin because i feel like your podcast is actually getting in the way of my habits (laughs) that is my habit is to try that is truly ironic try to get to bed earlier (laughs) yeah it's truly ironic my habit is to try to go to bed by by eleven, eleven fifteen every night. <laughs> and Uh-oh. you and I keep having these late night recording sessions, which are killing me. All right. Well, we're gonna let you go soon. That's a good one though. <laughs> you got me back. No, I, I just wanted to book a little fun, but in all honesty, um an area that I'm deficient in in my life is is consistently going to bed at the same time because on the other end, I've been getting better at, you know, consistently getting up at the right time and, and I'm losing the quality there. So I gotta, you know. I read that quote one time. The hardest thing about being a morning person is not waking up. It's going to bed at the right time. Genius. Well, and it goes back to your point about energy uh, being the most precious resource. Yes. Quick plug. That's the Heidi Hanna episode. I don't have the number. I think it was interview three, season two. All right. So – Give me uh, one, two, or three transformative favorite books that come to mind that really shaped your thinking. Okay. Um, Man, I've got a lot of these. They're great. (laughs) Um, I'm going to try to pick some that aren't overly used because I think a lot of these on my list are things that that, other people talk about. And by the way, I I read – I mean I wrote – uh, I was invited to write a success piece for a magazine in South Florida Great. called uh, Brickle Magazine. And it was called Eight Reads That Bring Balance to the Mind of a Successful Mind. That was something they gave me. Um, they wanted me to talk about because they, they were interviewing me. And they, they said, we're always looking for a different aspect. And you know, and they're like, oh, I read a lot. I'm, I'm, I, I told them I'm a student. My life philosophy, if you look at any of my social media profiles, Martin, yeah. I have one line as my bio. And it's learning and teaching daily. Wow, that's um, funny. And that's I kind think, of my that's kind of my motto. I think that's what mine says, something like that. What really? Maybe yes, I stole it from you, and I'm great. taking credit. No, no, for it. I'm getting years, but, but very similar. <laughs> so, what do you got? Give yeah. me a couple books. All right. So, so anyway, um, they asked me to write these books, and I, I only told you that because one of the books was The Habit Factor. Oh, you're such. A, thank they you. They said write one line about every book. That's it. One line, and I wrote uh, The Habit Factor. Where we are in life can always be traced back to our habits. Wow. Plan your habits to shape your destiny. So that's what I wrote. That's huge. Um, I, I wanted to share it. that with you. That so explains that huge, that huge spike in sales. Yes. Totally. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
Well, I, here's a great book that, that I want to recommend everyone. I don't think it's enough promotion is um, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Excellent. Frank. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Man's Search for Meaning. my favorites. So the next book is just way off the deep end, like I'll tell you. Um, there's. Have you heard of Michael Pollan, the guy that writes about food? I for some honestly the name sounds very familiar uh yeah, do tell he's got a lot of he's written many books I, I i mean i might be making this up i think he either writes for the new york times or he gets a lot of coverage in the new york times but he wrote this amazing book called the omnivore's dilemma a natural history of four meals and and it's like a journalism piece and he goes in and he talks about where food comes from and how food has changed over the course of of our life, you know, like modern generations mm. and it's just fascinating. And mm. it just, I don't know, there's something there's really, it's a book that I cannot recommend enough. It's pretty exciting. Give me the title again. The omnivores dilemma A natural oh. history of four meals. Oh, Great yeah. book. He's an extremely vivid writer. I feel like I, I learn a lot from him. Like when I try to write, cause he can, he can tell a, he can write 17 pages about a side dish and you just keep reading it because he's that, wow. you know, that vivid. All right. You got one more. Oh yeah. Um, the obstacle is the way. Uh, Are you familiar with that? Ryan holiday. Yep. Yep. I okay. like it. I great, like it. Great, great one. And then I just want to sneak it in the power of story um, uh, by Jim Lore. Uh, awesome book that I think a lot of people should read that reminds us that we have the script in our mind that is reprogrammable, very much like Obstacles Away. I feel like they're complementary, so I want to recommend those Give two. Give me the title team. of the last one. The Power of Story. Got it. Yeah, and so, you know, yeah, with the obstacle I've, is the way, I was probably two years into The Pressure Paradox, and for a moment I was a little crushed because – I thought thematically there were some overlap, uh, but but uh, really, it it's it's very complimentary because yeah. You no, know, I've read both. I don't think that at all. They they both have their place in the world. <laughs> Fantastic, sweet. <laughs> no, I love the obstacle as well. All right, now we are really coming to a close. Any favorite okay. website, app, tech tool, gadget, something you can't. Live without, and it cannot be your iPhone or smartphone if you aren't an iPhone guy. I am an iPhone guy. I feel like it's very boring, but um, my whole world is organized in Evernote. Wow. So love it. Evernote, it's on my laptop right now, my notes for this podcast. Um, it syncs with my iPhone. It's it's there forever. Um, I write my grocery list on it. I write my travel planning docs. It's super simple, but super great. Um, one, my the, the the place where I spend the most time of my day, um, surprisingly, is Google Docs. I, I just love Google Google Docs. I mean, it's just if you're not, I feel like if you're still stuck in the world of Microsoft Office, like check out Google Docs because. I don't know. It just, it, if you have a team, if you collaborate, if you have multiple offices like I do, it just, it's so much easier. That's a great tip. Excellent. Yeah. All right. We're just about done. How, is there anything you have, uh, you know, you've mentioned a couple books. We're going to absolutely link to those, but if there's something okay. you'd like to, uh, promote or share, uh, please feel free right now and let us know, 
the uh, millions of listeners, how they're going to find you uh, should they want more. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. If anybody has any questions or feedback for me, um, you can reach me at Jeremy Pound on Twitter, uh, which is very easy. That's perfect. Uh, the two things I want to recommend are, are my podcast as well, which my last guest was fantastic, uh, which was you, Martin. Oh. And it is the New Customer Machine podcast. So Excellent. We're available on, new in Customer iTunes. Machine. You'll just get more yeah. of the great goodness that uh, Jeremy just shared some of those yeah. strategies and tactics and yeah, if marketing is your thing, it's, it's all fantastic. it is. Yeah. I mean, if you have a sales team, if you're trying to scale your marketing and sales like that, that's, I have a super focused podcast. That's all it's about. I, I joke all the time. I mean, I, so many podcasts are entry level, little bite size. And I'm, I am so the opposite of that. You know, like we go, we try to go as deep as we can with every episode. Um, so I would recommend your, your, you know, invite your listeners to check that out. And the second thing is if they do fit into our, you know, like I said, our criteria, if they have a sales team, um, download our, our free ebook. We spent significant time. I feel like we're giving away all of our best ideas. You know, I know that's a little bit of a cliche. Um, but if you go to juicyresults.com slash CRM, for you know, customer relationship management tool, which so many companies have a CRM and they have no idea how they're using it. We, <laughs> we spent a lot of time writing the seven habits book of, and these are not ideas that we came up with on our own. These are us studying the fastest growing companies and saying, what are these guys doing different? Um, it's a little bit of a research product slash ebook. And I'm blown away by the result and everyone uh, now we're, we've been out for a few months now and the feedback has been amazing. So juicyresults.com slash CRM, download the ebook and and please let me know what you think about it because I want to constantly improve it. So if you have feedback from me, if you try things out, I want to know about it and I want to continue to make it better. Well, it sounds, it sounds truly valuable and it reminds me of the, you know, teach once, learn twice. And the fact is you guys had to do a lot of research to put this together. So God knows how much you learned and mm-hmm. then, of course, you're giving it away. Um, so I think the listenership here has really got a terrific feel for for the type of character guy you are. I'm still having a hard time picturing you running around with purple hair. So <laughs> I'm gonna need I'm gonna need some some uh, evidence of that. But thank you, Jeremy. That was fantastic. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I know the listenership is clapping as well. So with that, we will bid you adieu and uh, say good night. Say Thank good, you, Brian. Say, say good night. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> All right. Rock on. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Just a quick reminder before we blow out of here. If you have not yet received your free habit tracking slash building template, and you want to get it really quick, like instantaneously, you can go ahead and text me at 33444 and just simply text the word habits. That's right, habits to 33444. So until next time, to your continued success, make it a habit.